Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the FF Consistency, Consistency Show. Yeah, no, I have not been drinking, I promise. Um, like to be, but I'm not. Uh, welcome to tonight's show. Very excited. A big night it is. Uh, we're going to have some folks on here from Fantasy Sports Warehouse. Uh, we've got a big announcement tonight. Um, for those of you in here for the first time, um, whether you're getting ready for your drafts this weekend or whatever the case may be, uh, thank you for coming in. Uh, if you want to call in and ask a question tonight to any of our guests or myself, guest call-in number is 646-478-4679. Once again, 646-478-4679. Um, thank you for everybody who uh, are here tonight. Um, you are listening, of course, to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, I'm your Thursday night host, Bob Long, with the FF Consistency Show, uh, talking fantasy football consistency all summer, or all summer, all fall. Uh, we've been talking all summer, but we're going to be talking all fall as well. Um, it's it's just hard to believe it's getting that close. Um, I know it's close because high school football is starting tonight in my area. Big game tonight, uh, two local rivalries going at it. Um, there's a fallness in the air. It's kind of cool, about 60, 68 degrees, um, even though next week is supposed to be in the 90s, crazy Ohio weather. Um, but it's here. Week three of the NFL preseason is coming on and uh, will be happening this week. Uh, no game tonight, starting tomorrow night and through the weekend. And these are the games you want to pay attention to. These are the games where the starters are going to play the most. Um, at least a half maybe three quarters, depending on who they are. Um, so there's a lot of things to watch, a lot of things to uh, take uh, heed of, see who's playing, who's still injured, who's not. Um, a lot of injuries out there. Um, and so those are things to keep up on. But as I mentioned, listening to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. Um, and so every night of the week, you can listen to the uh, Fantasy Sports Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. On Monday night is Sports Rants with Chris Heal. Tuesday is the Asylum Sports Show with Flieger and Briggs. Wednesday night, if you're into fantasy baseball, the Pine Tar Talk with Ben Samuels and Mike Valverde. My show, of course, on Thursday from 7 to at least 8, sometimes 9, depends on how, how things are going. Um, Friday night, if you're into racing, racing times with Alan and Robin. Saturday night is the Dynasty Dudes with Russell Clay and Nathan Powell. And uh, Sunday night, Nick Ficarelli, the mad scientist, is on with his amazing guest. Um, I got the honor of being on there, uh, I think, two weeks ago. And uh, does a great show. If you ever get a chance, make sure you find him. Um, he's got some great guests um, always on, always got different things. I think last week was Ladies of Fantasy Football. Um, didn't get a chance to listen, but uh, um, some of those people um, obviously are some of the best in the business, so uh, make sure you listen to him as well. Um, so as we head into tonight, like I said, the uh, folks um, are going to be, uh, um, you know, coming on tonight from the Fantasy Sports Warehouse, and are going to talk. Um, but as we get started tonight, for those of you who may have been sleeping all day, um, Martavius Bryant from the Pittsburgh Steelers was suspended for four games, um, we assume it was some kind of uh, drug. We're not assuming what drug, but we know there was a drug involved. Um, so he's out for four games. Again, there can be an appeal. He uh, could get a reduced, but 
needless to say, he's suspended at least for a few games. Um, so a couple things. One, move him down in your charts. Number two, move up Marcus Wheaton. Um, it's interesting that this happened, and I'll tell you why. Um, I don't know, you know, if you were paying attention, a lot of people say preseason doesn't mean anything. This is all just garbage. You know, the players are the players. There's really not much to watch. Um, however, most people do still get caught up in the preseason hype. If a guy has a big run, like Doug Martin last week, all of a sudden Doug Martin now is screaming up the uh, fantasy charts. Um, and I'm not saying he's not going to have a good year, but I'm just saying people take notice. But the one thing, sometimes there's things that happen in the background that kind of gets ignored. Um, and I'm going to talk about Martavius Bryant and Marcus Wheaton. Two weeks ago, um, I read, you know, if you keep up with some of the daily uh, news from training camps, there was a lot of conversation that Marcus Wheaton was number two on the depth chart after Antonio Brown and not Martavius Bryant. And that just didn't seem normal to me uh, because Martavius Bryant is the better athlete, the better wide receiver, um, had a much better year last year, and was pretty much destined to be the wide receiver too for the Steelers. But he, on the depth charts, and the team was communicating that Wheaton was the number two guy. And that really caught me off guard. So I actually, when I did a few drafts over the last two weeks, um, I was in some expert drafts, kind of slow drafts. Um, I picked up Wheaton in, in two of those leagues just based on that information. Um, not that I didn't want Martavius Bryant, but I was at a point in the draft where Bryant was already gone, Wheaton was still sitting there, and I grabbed him just based on that news. And obviously the news was now you know, solidified today or, or basically confirmed today that there was a problem. And the, uh, the team obviously knew about it. Um, and that's why they were basically doing that with Bryant and Wheaton. So always keep an eye on those camp news things. Sometimes it's just a bunch of hype. Sometimes it's just a bunch of people, you know, just saying, oh, you know, they're in the best shape in their career, blah, blah, blah. That stuff, take with a grain of salt. But when you see things out of the ordinary, um, sometimes there's a reason to take notice. So if you were taking notice, um, like myself, maybe you got Wheaton in a couple of your leagues. Um, if not, certainly uh, put him as good potential. I mean, I'm, I'm talking wide receiver four or five here on your team. I mean, don't don't be drafting him too high. Um, but if you can get him as your backup to your big, your big three receivers, then fine. Um, I think that's a good pick. Um, I think he'll still be part of the team, even when Brian comes back, whether it's three games, four games, or whatever his suspension is. Um, don't be too concerned about the fact that, uh, you know, that he won't get in there um, too much. I think Wheaton and Bryant will kind of share uh, the number two spot. Um, they, uh, they do a lot of three-set receivers scenarios as well. So, again, once again, tonight, as we go forward in the show, um, you can call in 646 478 4679. I see some guests have logged in on the chat room. You can get in there as well. If you've got some questions for me or you just had a draft and you want me to uh, kind of look at it, we can talk about it. I'm here for that as well. So as I mentioned, Martavius Bryant suspended. Um, there was also an announcement today that uh, Brashad uh, Merriman uh, for the uh, Panthers uh, is not recovering from his knee uh, issue very quickly, and he may not uh, be able to start the season healthy. So um, that certainly makes things a little more interesting. Um, and I'm sorry, Pearman plays for <laughs> plays for the Ravens, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm, I'm, no, yeah, he plays for the Ravens. My fault. I said Panthers. I was thinking, uh, never mind. Um, so yeah, so he plays for the Ravens. Um, and Kelvin Benjamin, we know, is out for the for the Panthers. Um, 
And the funny thing is for the Panthers, um, and I think the guy I was thinking of was Devin Funches, um, don't don't sleep on a guy named Jericho Cotri. Um, Jericho Cotri really is the number two guy um, on that team, um, basically the number one guy. Um, so, you know, don't um, don't sleep on him. Um, I know Funches is going much higher, and, and is, but Jericho Cotri could get some decent targets and some decent numbers. Um, again, if you're looking for that late um, flyer receiver, not not a bad guy to get. He's a solid receiver. He's nothing great. But, hey, if he gets five catches for 50 yards a game and you're a PPR, guess what? You just earn a quality game, and that's what we're here to talk about is consistency. So, once again, thanks uh, for joining me if uh, you're here for the first time. Um, as I said tonight, uh, we're going to have some guests coming in later um, to call in from uh, Fantasy Sports Warehouse, and uh, we'll be talking to them a little bit. So, I know a lot of you folks are heading into your draft weekend. Uh, I wanted to just to highlight some people to, you know, it's kind of those undervalued guys. We've talked about them on and off for the last three weeks preparing for your draft. Um, first off, if you're going into your draft and you just really need a good one-page sheet, I've got something called the Consistency Tier Draft List. Now, you can get it when you buy the book online, and you can get that at FantasySportsWarehouse.com. And you can, um, you know, go there, buy the book, and it's got that in it. But I have the most up-to-date column or up-to-date one. I update it every day. In fact, I updated it three times today uh, So, <laughs> um, because of all these changes and everything that's been happening. So if you uh, want that, just get the book. It's only $5. Download it. You'll have that for your whole season. In addition, I'll get you the updated tier draft list. I'll just email it to you once I see your email come through on the PayPal. So. All right, we have somebody on the phone, so let's go to the phones and uh, see who they are. Hello, caller. Hey, this is Kaylee Williams. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good. All right, well, Kaylee uh, is. Uh, what's that? No, you go ahead. Oh, um, uh, and I, I know I'm going to pronounce your name wrong. It's Kaylee, right? Yes. Alien. Okay. So anyway, so Kalian is a writer here for Fantasy Sports Warehouse. Uh, he is our expert on the Denver Broncos and follows them religiously. So um, I asked these guys to come on tonight so that we can talk a little bit more specifically about some of these teams. And Kalian, as, as a follower of the Broncos, um, I think I have it, and I sent these to you so you can kind of be a little bit prepared. I have four questions um, as we're looking at this team, because if this team plays just at normal normal capacity, they have a lot of wonderful, uh, uh, consistent as well, um, fantasy football players on their team. Let's start with numero uno, and that is Peyton Manning. Um, we've heard Peyton's healthy. Um, what do you know? What have you seen? What have you heard that makes you feel comfortable that Peyton Manning uh, will be just as good? Even if he's as good as he is last year, I'm okay with that. I know he had right. that fall off at the end of the season, but is he as healthy as he needs to be to make it through the season? Um, I know his, something came out recently about having had feeling in his fingertips for like three years. Um, and so yet he's still that good. So that's even more amazing. It makes him even more amazing. 
But talk, let's talk a little bit about Peyton, his health, and your expectations for the upcoming year for fantasy people out there. Um, for me, I think Peyton Manning is going to do just fine. I don't know um, if a whole lot of people saw this, but he came out a few weeks ago and or a few days ago and said that uh, the injury he had sustained um, was actually more due to some kind of stomach bug, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me because uh, all the reports we were getting right after the season ended for him was that he had a torn quad, which sounds a little more plausible because if it was just a stomach bug, that would seem like something that you could address easier. Um, but as far and, not, as, and not last uh, for four weeks. <laughs> right, exactly. And not last for four yeah. weeks on into postseason and stuff. So, right, right I, I wasn't buying that. I think the I think the leg injury was definitely uh, more plausible. But I think he's doing right. fine. He came out and played a few snaps in the preseason opener on into the second quarter. I don't think you, I don't think you put out an injured quarterback against um, even in a preseason game, especially in a preseason game. You wouldn't put an injured quarterback out there. Uh, so I think Manning is fine right now. I think just the um, as as the season goes on and the offensive line tries to merge together, I think that's going to be where we see the biggest questions of whether he can sustain that kind of health that right. we would expect and hope from him. Right. Losing one of the key offensive linemen in the preseason certainly doesn't help. Um, what do you what do you feel there? Do you think this line is still solid enough? To keep Peyton off his, you know, from being on his back too much. Um, Peyton's a smart quarterback. If he's got to throw quicker and do more two-step, three-step drops, slants, he'll do it if he thinks the line's questionable. But then teams will pick up on that. Um, what are your thoughts on the loss of the offensive lineman? And I, I apologize, my, I know as soon as you say his name, I'm going to go, that's him, but I can't think of him. Ryan Clady. Yes, thank Ryan you. Ryan <laughs> Clady, yeah. Ryan Clady went down again, and. Uh, even even not not as big as Ryan Clady, but in addition to it, they lost uh, Orlando Franklin in free agency and uh, Manny Ramirez. They traded to the Lions, so they've lost three members from that 2013-2014 uh, uh, series where they went to the Super Bowl. Clady didn't play all of that, but right. um, but they did add Evan Mathis, who uh, was supposed to be one of the best zone blocking guards. I mean, he was injured last year, but that shouldn't affect him too much. Um, I think, and this is kind of going out on a limb, I think with Evan Mathis as, at left guard and Louis Vasquez on right guard, they might have the best guard tandem in the league. It's just a matter right, of Right, I forgot uh, they picked tackles. up Mathis. Yeah. yeah, they picked up that Mathis. That was a great move just, on their behalf. Right. Well, and, and it's kind of funny, too, that they asked Tate Manning to take a $4 million pay cut, and then they turned right around and gave Evan Mathis $4 million. There was... <laughs> Especially for a Manning spot, there's hardly a better spot where you could spend that four million dollars. So, yeah, I'm um, sure that was Peyton's going. Yeah, you can. I'll give you that money to go ahead and protect my <laughs> to protect my neck and my future. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Protect my neck. Protect my leg. Because uh, he need. Yeah. I think keeping Manning healthy is the most important thing because this this team has the highest ceiling and the lowest floor if Manning goes down. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, I watched it. I, surprisingly, I watched a little bit of the rerun of the preseason game. I think from this past week, and I saw uh, Brock Brock Os, Osweiler. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Um, Osweiler. Osweiler. Yeah, he looked pretty good until he threw the exception. But I think I just think he was. He, I don't know. He, he looked past the guy that was standing there. Um, it was you know it was kind of one of those. It was a 
probably one of those uh, plays where it's all timing. He took two steps back, he turned, he threw, and as soon as he let it go, a guy jumped up and grabbed the ball out of midair and ran it for a pick six. But um, other than that, you know, I mean, he's certainly built for, you know, uh, for the quarterback position. He's 6'8", 240, they said. He's a big boy, and, you know, so, um, you know... I, we assume that he's the future of you know, if Peyton retires this year or or next year, um, but who knows? But uh, you know, obviously he's, he's got the size. But so yeah, right. so, so I think your your final analysis is is that Peyton's okay to pick, and 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 it's surprising to me because as good and as consistent as Peyton has been over his entire career, let alone the past two or three years, even after the the injury and and the surgery. Um, those four games last year has scared everybody to the bejesus. And it just it drives me – I just laugh because I can't tell you how many teams I have Peyton Manning on. Now, I'm going to be in about 17 or 18 leagues. Um, a lot of these are expert leagues where I'm drafting against other experts from across the country that I've been in for years. Um, and I, I'm getting Peyton in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And I'm like – it, it, that's why I was like, I have to ask you this question because I, I just, I haven't read anything. I haven't seen anything. I saw him Hall of Fame weekend here in Canton. He came for Bill Pullian's party. Um, he looked fine. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him because um, everybody and their mother wanted to talk to him. But you know, I, I you know, he wasn't limping. He wasn't, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, right. what is wrong? Are we really that? What have you done for me lately? Um, that. Four games is going to make the difference between Peyton Manning going in the third round versus the seventh round. If that's true, right. I'm all in. I'll, I'll take him every day and and Sunday uh, in the draft as my quarterback if I'm going to get him at that point. Um, Drew Brees is you know, going to the same spot, which is amazing. You know, and I think I think if this were you know Andrew Luck or uh, Tannehill or one of these younger quarterbacks, I don't think it would be quite a big question if he had played as poorly in those last four weeks. But since it's Peyton Manning, right. he's 38, 39, the question isn't as big as will he get – is he any good as will will he get hurt again? Can he stay Can right. he stay healthy now? Andrew Luck Andrew Luck could bounce back from a torn quad and be fine the next year. It's just a matter sure. of this guy's a little bit older. But I, I agree with you. Right. Leaving Peyton Manning on the board for that long seems, seems ridiculous because by all accounts, mm-hmm. he's healthy. He's playing preseason. I think, I think he's a safe pick. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, so let's move on to one of his receivers. We know Demarius Thomas is a stud fantasy-wise. He'll be going in the first round or early second for every draft. But the guy who blew up last year and just took the fantasy world by storm was Emmanuel Sanders. Um, even on the consistency side, I mean, he ended up top five. He was actually he actually was more consistent than Demarius Thomas. He was 88% versus Demarius' 82. So... I know everybody, and he started off ADP wise as a top top twelve wide receiver, and he should have. Things have been happening in the preseason. He hasn't been playing. He's not healthy, um, and so now he's falling in drafts to the third round, fourth round. You know, he's starting again. People are starting to get a little worried. Should fantasy drafters, fantasy owners out there, be worried about Emmanuel Sanders? Um, Emmanuel is a little different from Peyton to me. Um, he's he's one of my favorite players, I mean, just in the NFL period. I mean, he has a lot of heart. He might not have the same 
skill sets and other receivers, but he he has a love right. for the game and a heart that you can't be. This is not uh, one of those intangibles that you can't put on other people. But one of the things right. that kind of bothers me with uh, with Sanders going into this year is if he's just a if he finally gets over this hamstring injury in a couple weeks, he still has a lot of time to learn this new Kubiak system. So um, over the long haul, I think he'll be okay. But those first few weeks, if you've got Sanders, I wouldn't expect him to be too terribly productive. Um, it might take him a little while to get adjusted to this new offense, unlike Peyton, where he has such so much experience and such a high football IQ, he can just kind of fall into any system. Emmanuel, right. uh, not as much experience as Peyton. He's going to have to learn a little bit, and if he's if he's not out there practicing right now, it might take him a little longer than than normal to get acclimated to so, the situation. So what you're saying is, even if he is healthy for the start of the season, he may not be in sync with the offense, um, and it may take him a couple games to get that sync, and then right. then he'll click in maybe by week three or four. Then is what you're saying? Right, right. I think I okay. think he'll do it. I think he'll do it though, because he moved he moved uh, from Pittsburgh to Denver, right? And he he learned that system. He picked that up quickly, but he will need some I was time say, to get adjusted. Like gangbusters! I think the first game of last year, I think he <laughs> had a huge game. Um, right? Yeah, he definitely picked that up quick. Right. So, so I wouldn't expect him to be in, too terribly too great in the first two games, but you know. Okay. So then, based on that information. Should fantasy drafters who draft Emmanuel Sanders, whatever round it is, let's say third, fourth, fifth, should they target Cody Latimer because he is playing and he is out there and he has been looking pretty good in preseason, should they be targeting him as a backup to maybe fill in for Sanders as your wide receiver three or flex player for the first few few weeks and, and, and further down the season? Uh, Cody Latimer is going to be an interesting person to watch. I have... I have not uh, seen a whole lot of his tape from Indiana. I saw a little bit of his preseason action here in Denver, and I was I was impressed. But you know, it's preseason; you have you have backups in there. I honestly have no clue what to expect from Latimer, um, but he can he can be a third or fourth cog in a very powerful offense, or he could just, or depending on what kind of system Kubek wants to run, he might not he might not get a whole lot of targets. Um, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to see out of Cody uh, this year, but I, if I were if I were drafting, I would I could I could keep it on on a bench and uh, definitely hold on to him and take a look at what he's producing. Cool. No, that's that's um, interesting stuff. All right, one of my favorite sleeper picks, and I think I have him almost on every one of my teams, and will have him on my teams probably. Um, this season, and that's Owen Daniel. Um, your thoughts on him? I, now, granted, he's my most of the time he's my backup tight end, but I gotta believe that Peyton Manning loves tight ends. I mean, he made Dallas Clark into a Pro Bowl tight end year after year. <laughs> Owen Daniels was a decent tight end in Baltimore. Um, I saw in the, one of the preseason games he had like four catches for I don't know how many yards. But you know that was only in the first half. So, am I am I being am I reading something into this concept that I shouldn't be? Am I overthinking this? Um, I think it, Owen Daniels ends up being a top ten tight end in a PPR format um, by the end of the year. Um, what do you think? Right. 
I don't I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, there's there's two ways to look at the situation with Owen Daniels. With the zone blocking, he'll be asked to block a lot more for C.J. Anderson or Ronnie right. Hillman coming in. But the but the other way to look at it, and I kind of lean this way, is you know, if it ain't broke, don't you know, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. And we saw right. what how Peyton just loved to target, target Julius Thomas in the red zone last year. Mm-hmm. And if he and right. Owen Daniels can get on the same page, which I think he can, then we could right. see. We could see Owen Daniels' numbers go through the roof, kind of like uh, Julius Thomas's did. So I, right. I have a feeling that uh, Daniels and Manning will get on the same page and kind of make those similar connections that he and uh, Julius did. Right. Well, and like I said, you know, regardless, even when he, like I said, when he was in uh, Indianapolis, like I said, Dallas Clark was like, you know, came out of nowhere. I mean, this guy wasn't even. I know. I don't know what he was drafted. Uh, out of college as, you know, what round. But, you know, he was not that well-known. And within a couple years, you know, Dallas Clark is, you know, a fantasy god at tight end. He's catching ridiculous yep. number of passes. And that was with Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne on that team. So right. <laughs> my thought <laughs> is that, you know, um, that is, you know, and that is his safety valve. You know, again, if, if he can't take a deep, you know, if he goes back a couple steps and he sees somebody coming up the middle, blitzing or something like that, I mean, his first reaction is going to say is going to be, "Where's Owen Daniel?" Um, right. So, you know, that's going to be Owen Daniel's job is basically get open, you know, underneath, short, and just be my safety valve if somebody comes, you know, comes from the side or catches me off guard, and uh, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, right. So, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I, I just. Uh, and like I said, it's not like I'm taking Owen Daniels in the fourth round ahead of, you know, Greg Olson and Martellus Bennett. I, I'm taking a guy who is just being left for dead. Um, like I said, a couple of leagues, I think I was picking him in the 12th, 13th, 14th round. And I've already drafted, like I said, a top tight end, you know, a good tight, a good consistent tight end. And I thought, if Owen Daniels doesn't work out, I'm not losing anything. But if he does... <laughs> Then I can use him as a flex player. I can trade him to somebody who doesn't have a tight end or doesn't have a good tight end. Um, right. You know, there's not a lot of consistent tight ends. I mean, that's the one thing you will find in my in my consistency guide is um, tight ends aren't very consistent. Um, you know, outside of Gronkowski at 90 some percent last year, the next <laughs> highest was Delaney Walker at 73 percent. That's right, Delaney Walker was second, not Jason wow. Witten, not Jimmy Graham, not Antonio Gates. Not uh, – <laughs> I can go on and on. Well, um, Delaney Walker's Delaney a baller, Walker. so. Yeah, he is. And trust me, I right. I have Delaney Walker in some leagues because of that. But, um, you know, finding a consistent tight end, they don't have to be outstanding. I'm not talking about Gronkowski kind of guys. But, again, for a tight end, if they get over eight fantasy points in a PPR league, that's a quality game, okay? Right. So that means if they catch four balls for 45 yards – they just earned a quality game. Now, that doesn't sound like a big game, but when that's what you have to get and only um, five tight ends were over 65% last year and and nobody was over 70 other than Walker at 73 and Gronkowski at 92, it shows you that there ain't a lot of consistent tight ends. So if Owen Daniels can be that, um, that's going to be worth something, and that's why I think he's good value that late in the round. So, oh, I agree. Um, and so, another thing about... Another thing about Daniels too is, uh, I don't like to say anything negative about other players, but you know, if you look, if you take a look at Demarius Thomas's tape, 
he's great after the catch, and he's and he's a fast guy, but he doesn't go up and catch and fight for passes a whole a whole lot. So if you're in goal line situations, I think Peyton Manning will definitely much rather throw to a big guy like Owen Daniels, who's willing to fight for a ball rather than right. Demarius, Lock who might or may not. Underneath. Yeah, just do a three step and turn and boom, hits him right in the right. gut, and you know nobody and and he can box somebody out like a like a basketball player. Um, yeah. Do, do you, is there any reason in this world to believe Demarius Thomas has a down year? A down year? Um, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe just yeah, I don't either. Of, I just tried to see the case. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. I know a lot of people, um, they, they, you know, you talk about top receivers that you would uh, want to take, and Demarius, Demarius is up there, but he's not He's not up there with, um, who, would you, who else would you have up there? Maybe a... Calvin well, Johnson like Antonio or, Brown, Des Bryant. Oh yeah, you know, these Antonio kind of Brown, Des Bryant, Des Bryant for sure. But he he's a great receiver and he's got um he he's uh, got some feet on him and he can take a ball the ball really far. It's just for as far as I I think that people really honestly just don't like him because wherever Peyton Manning seems to go, there's always this uh, aura about people that oh well this guy was just made by Manning or this guy was made by Manning and that and that kind of makes People oh no, Demarius Thomas would not receivers. Made by Peyton Manning. Demarius Thomas right. made Tim Tebow look good, people. Yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Demarius Thomas was the only re- and the only reason I asked. Yeah, no, exactly. The only reason I asked that question is I know that I read that Emmanuel Sanders was talking to the press, and because of Kubiak being there, that they were going to try to run the ball more um, and be more of a balanced offense. Um, and and again, a lot of this stuff is cliches and all camp talk, and you know everybody has to say the right thing. Um, you know, I I think giving C.J. Anderson the ball too many times is not a good idea for the Broncos or C.J. Anderson. Um, right. You know, I mean, every every team wants to be able to run the ball, but when you have Peyton Manning, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Owens Daniels, uh, and and all these players. You don't need to give the ball to C.J. Anderson 20 times a game, carries a game. Um, right. You know, give them to him to keep the defense honest, but as soon as the de- defense then starts keying on him, then Peyton's going to change the play to scrimmage and go, okay, we're going to do a play-action pass, and we're so- throwing the ball deep to Demarius, or we're going to throw right. a slant to Emmanuel, or we're going to, you know, whatever the case may be. Peyton Manning is going right. to direct that offense. Kubiak can say right. you know, all the world and everything in the world, but if the defense is playing – to let them throw the ball, Peyton Manning's going to throw the ball. That's just the way it's got to be. Right. It's like it's like I said. If it, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. And exactly. the, the Peyton right. Manning Demarius connection has been has just been phenomenal these last couple of years. Um, right. So if you if you've got that hole, and I know, or if you got that opening, and I know Peyton Manning will see it whenever it opens up. You can you can book it that he's gonna he's gonna try to push it downfield with Thomas on the outside. Right. Right, and that's why I think Owen Daniels will benefit from teams trying to, um, you know, take that you know linebacker or safety and move them towards Demarius. Um, Daniels can just get past the linebacker, and he could be a deep threat. I mean, he's that. I mean, he's he's not a Julius Thomas or, or a Jimmy Graham where he's got great speed. All he has to do is be faster than the middle linebacker. And so right. if if there's an opening down the middle and they pull a safety over to help with Demarius on a double team or something, Peyton's just going to be smart enough to go, okay, Daniels, we're going to change play. You're going deep down the middle, and we're going to make this 
team pay for moving a safety over. So Peyton's smart enough. He, he, he's gonna he's gonna be able to uh, obviously get through all those situations. But um, I, I think everybody has the ability to benefit uh, on that team. Um, so that we haven't talked about him, but let's talk about C.J. Anderson. Now, last year C.J. Anderson came in there and earned eight straight quality games in a PPR format over the last eight games of the year. Um, he comes into this year. Um, I've seen him all over the place, ADP, not all over the place, but usually between either number seven to number 13 uh, running back rank, depending on who's ranking them and for what reason. Um, I have him seventh just because in a PPR format and consistency standpoint, he's more consistent than guys like Justin Forsett and Miller and Ellington and Murray and some of those guys. So I might have him a little bit higher than more than, than others, um, but again, I'm, I'm doing my rankings not only on fantasy value, but consistency value within fantasy. And so I have him at seven. Um, you know, a lot of people say, well, they don't know if they can, he can make it through a full season. But I think that, you know, if I, if I, if I read properly, I think I read something about him, you know, really working out in the off season, really preparing for this season, you know, um, you know, bulking up, slimming down, whatever, all the things that he said, but yeah, he's ready to to make it for a whole season. What have you heard out of Denver camp, and what are your thoughts on uh, C.J. Anderson's uh, 2015 season coming up? Um, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I would have been pretty, I would have been pretty solidified on C.J. Anderson. I know people like to throw around, oh, well, they haven't had a consistent running back since Clinton Portis, but I mean, that's just because people are getting injured a lot. C.J. has been mostly, okay. he's been pretty healthy for the for a long stretch. One thing that came out a couple of weeks ago that kind of made me question something was that they said that they were going to look at uh, C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman as a 1A and 1B kind of splitting carries. But, you know, we we hear that a lot, but usually usually by week three or four of a regular season, we start to see who the coaching staff is liking more, one over the other. We've heard that on occasion. But I think CJ is going to be just fine. I think he's going to be the number one starting uh, running back. Um, it's, it might not be as clear right now to the coaching staff, but if, if they can watch with their with their own two eyes the tape that from last year, I think they'll see CJ. CJ was a, was a beast out on the field. I mean, he was like he was. he's like a smaller version of uh, Marshawn Lynch almost. Yeah. Oh, and and he and he has great hands out of the backfield. Um, you know, and I understand the Ronnie Hillman thing. I think. Every team wants to be able to. I kind of, I kind of compare teams. Saw the success that the Bengals had last year with Jeremy Hill being the, you know, in the tackles runner, and then Bernard coming in on third down, but also maybe taking a couple series uh, away from him, just again to keep legs fresh, to keep keep both of the players who are both very talented um, fresh throughout the game. So that by fourth quarter, if they need to wear them down, they can go one direction or the other. Or if they need to, you know, to come back, they can use the pass offense, and and that worked well for the Bengals. Um, I think teams saw that and and are are going to try and do that. Um, you know, the the uh, Saints have now Mark Ingram, C.J. Spiller, um, and in this case, we have C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Will Hillman get a few more carries than last year per game? Probably will because they'll want to keep Anderson fresh. Um, you know, especially if the Broncos are hit by a couple touchdowns, they might let Hillman come in for a couple of series and, you know, again, let uh, Anderson rest. But like you said, I, I think it's obvious who the, the 1A is. I think it's 1A and 1, like, J. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's 1A, 1B. 
Um, right. And but, you know, just, just on the side, really if you're drafting that, Monty that, Ball, know, if you're drafting Monty I Ball, I don't think he's going to do much for you. No, no. I, I, I certainly hope that that hype train is finally derailed and fell off a cliff somewhere because <laughs> I have, I've heard that for the last two or three years, and I just would not. It was almost like the only one it's almost as bad as C.J. Spiller hype train. Um, the oh, last couple of years, oh, I would sit there, you know, between C.J. Spiller being the number one and he'd be drafted in like the first three rounds, and in, and in the last two years, in the 13th round, I would draft Fred Jackson, and I would be starting, and I would get, you know, a hundred more points and a lot more consistency out of Fred Jackson by the end of the year than anybody would get out of C.J. Spiller, and finally they just gave Spiller away to the Saints. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, the Monty Ball hype trade is, you know, like you said, it's it's driven off the cliff. Um, I, I hopefully hope that's so. done. I don't. Yeah, because. I'm just I was just so tired of hearing it and he never proved anything. But anyway, um anybody else on the Broncos that were not, you know, let's talk, I guess, you know, a lot of people ask about team defenses. Team defenses in fantasy are basically about getting sacks, you know, uh interceptions, um uh, maybe points allowed, but let's you know, may or may not always depending on the scoring method. Um Broncos have always been up there. I think this year I see them ranked eighth on my list. Um are they still going to be a solid defense? Do they still, you know, I mean, again, they're playing against the Raiders twice, the Chargers twice, um, <laughs> you know, and the Chiefs twice. So those aren't the most powerful offenses in the NFL. Um, so that always helps. Are they still going to be a pretty valid uh, defense to have if you're drafting uh, a defense in your last round of your leagues? I think I think so for sure, especially whenever you come down to just sacks numbers and, uh, well, interceptions as well because, you have C, um, Chris Harris and you have Akeem Tlaib and T.J. Ward back there. But if you're, especially if you're going by sacks, I mean, I'm not sure if there's a better edge rushing duo in the league other than uh, than Von Miller and uh, Demarcus Ware. I mean, maybe J.J. Watt, whoever you throw out with J.J. Watt. But I mean, right. if you yeah, just got Von Miller, J.J. <laughs> Watt, and you know me. But <laughs> right, exactly. But Von Miller and Demarcus Ware and Shane Ray. Uh, those guys, those guys can get after the pass, get after the passer, and Von Miller can just creep around an offensive line in ways that I don't see with a whole lot of people. He doesn't. He looks like he's almost untouched as he goes after the passer. So uh, I think, especially with uh, the amount of sacks that they can tally up, they might be the best uh, duo trio in the league. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what about points allowed? Do you think they're going to be holding teams? Usually, the problem with high-powered offenses is that gives a lot of garbage yards and points up to teams. And so their defense, if you have a thing where, you know, if you give up 0 to 10 points, you get this. But if you go over, like, 28 points, then you start getting negatives, which is there. I always feel like those high-powered offenses like Saints, Colts, um, you know, Broncos, those kind of teams, um, I'm never a big fan of drafting one of their defenses in a league that has that kind of scoring where you can get negative because, you know, they, all of a sudden they get in a shootout where it's, uh, you know, Denver against the Saints and it's, you know, 45-42 uh, because of the, the offense that they're playing. Um, should they be concerned there, do you think? But on, like I said, but on the plus side, they're playing the Chargers twice, the Raiders twice, right. or, you know, and the Chiefs twice. So, you know, you're not talking high-powered offenses there. They're better offenses. I think the Raiders are probably one of the most proved offenses in the league, but 
you know, they're still not going to probably put up 35 points a week against the Broncos. So good, good defense still to have, you think? I think so for sure with points allowed because especially if you look at their schedule too, I mean, they might let you down on three weeks, which would be the Patriots. I mean, not the Patriots. The Patriots, I think, uh, with unless Rob Gronkowski just breaks over 250 yards, I don't think the Patriots yeah. offense is much to speak of at this point. I mean, uh, the Packers, uh, the Colts, and the Steelers. Uh, so those are the three games where, you know, they they could be exposed for a lot of points. But other than that, there's other uh, – the other 13 games we're looking at, those are very high, high-powered high offenses that you're looking at. There's, um, right. they're, they're pretty – they're actually pretty sorry offenses with the Raiders and the Chargers and Chiefs. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. like I said, they're better than they were. But then the Raiders were so so bad for the last couple of years that they right. had nowhere to go but up. But, uh, you know, they added Amari Cooper, and now Derek Carr's an, another year under his belt. Latavius Murray's a decent – you know, uh, running back. They got Crabtree, so they got they could they could do a little bit of damage, but I don't think you're talking like I said. You know, twenty eight, thirty five points against the Broncos. Oh, oh no, uh, I, I would be and, very surprised if that happened. But and as a Bama fan, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Cooper, but right. you know, NFL and uh, ESPN thinking that Cooper's the second coming of Odell Beckham. Just look just look at his tape. He hasn't been. Isn't just the highlight reel of the preseason that he displayed hasn't right. been huge things. I think that um, right. we won't we won't well, see any one of the three guys that came out last year kind of break out this year. I don't think Amari Gary Cooper's, Carr is not Eli Manning, so no, <laughs> there's no. a big difference. Derek <laughs> um, Carr, you know, and and you Dalton. know, again, I'm I'm as much as Beckham has you know some amazing talent. He also has one of those ten cent heads that I'd be worried that. You know, he'll start going Des Bryant in some games and then mentally just shut down or, you know, whatever. Um, I'm always a big – I'm always in fear of those kind of players where they have the million-dollar talent and 10-cent head. So, yeah, um, he's kind of shown that over this offseason about complaining about all sorts of little things. So, I yeah, can see where yeah. you're getting that See, that, that kind of stuff from. scares me, you know, because then all of a sudden, you know, you've got this talent – and you think you're bigger than the game, and you know you're like, oh well, I can just do what I want because I'm Odell Beckham Jr. I'm like, eh. no, you can't. I, I kind of <laughs> see that bubbling up in uh, OBJ pretty early on already, so I kind of can see where yeah. you're coming from with that. Well, he had a lot of issue off off the field issues in college, didn't he? Off the field issues, I was I didn't hear a whole lot. Um, no, I, was, I didn't oh, pay okay, a, close attention to LSU, but. Um, no, I, I don't know. He could have, though. Yeah. Cause, I mean, it's Baton Rouge. I don't know what goes on in Baton Rouge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. Yeah, and I don't I don't know if any of us want to know what goes on in Baton Rouge. Um, <laughs> sorry, Baton Rouge fans. I don't know if I have any listeners down there, but I apologize. Um, <laughs> come on, I live in Canton, Ohio. We we don't have a lot here either. Um, we got a few more minutes. Uh, I know we got somebody calling in. Uh, one of the writers are calling in, I think, around 745. going to talk Eagles, but... Anything else on the Broncos uh, you can think of that we need to, um, that maybe we haven't been catching in camp um, that you're aware of? I think we've pretty uh, much covered no, most not, of the main guys. Not a whole lot of big stuff. Um, oh, I know what's important. You guys have a new kicker. <laughs> we do have a new well, kicker. Well, not a new kicker. Um, kind of an old kicker. Yeah, I'm not too happy about it, to be honest. Uh, okay. McManus is, he's a, he's a fine, he's a decent kicker, but... If if I had to choose between the two of them, I would have gone with I would have gone with Barth. 
the yeah. Buccaneers well, have got, him now. Well, he got so, signed the next day by the Buccaneers or somebody. He did, yeah. The Bucks have him now. Yeah, so, so he obviously isn't that bad. Um, no, he he. I think he only missed. I think he was uh, only missed one one field goal last last year. Kind of like Adam Vinatieri, just didn't kick as many. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, Amazing, I, I was yeah. more pleased with Bark's consistency. But obviously, uh, Broncos see something that they like, and um, McMahon is better. So we'll just we'll see how yeah. that turns around for them. Yeah, yeah, kickers are kind of fickle. So. All right, well, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, Kaylin, thanks for being on. Um, I'm sure we'll have you on more out throughout the season. Uh, Kaylin is uh, a writer here for the Fantasy Sports Warehouse, and uh, he covers the Broncos. And, uh, Kaylin, why don't you uh, give us your email, uh, Twitter, whatever, so everybody can follow you. Okay. Uh, my Twitter handle is Kaylin Gray, which would be spelled C-A-I-L-E-A-N, Gray, spelled G-R-E-Y, Kaylin Gray. And then if you just want to get in contact with me, I just use my iCloud, uh, kalian.williams at iCloud.com. So okay. That's pretty simple. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you having you. And I uh, look forward to your articles and uh, all that kind of stuff this year on Fantasy Sports Warehouse. And uh, have a great season. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. All right. Kalian Williams from Fantasy Sports Warehouse. And uh, without any further ado, we're going to our next caller. And I think, is this Wayne? Yes, it is. Hey, Wayne, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Dude. Thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. And what, how do you pronounce your last name? Is it just Creer? That's it, Bob. Okay. It, it looked that simple, but, you know, I don't know if it's Creer, if you know. I don't know. I mean, I, my last name is Lung, <laughs> and you'd be amazed how many people butcher it. I mean, it's like uh, L-U-N-G, it's um, what you breathe with. How difficult could that get? It looked too easy to be career, but I had to say it. Um, so, Wayne, thanks for being on. Um, Thank you. You are also a writer here at the Fantasy Sports Warehouse. And uh, why don't you tell people who you write about, who you do follow, um, what your article's about, uh, um, you know, during the week, and um, then we'll start talking about about that. Okay. Um, I am, of course, I am a, a, a elite uh, Philadelphia uh, sports writer. I write for uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Phillies, Sixers. Um, I should write for for the Flyers, but but uh, I, 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 haven't, I haven't written anything for the Flyers in a while because, uh, quite frankly, they haven't really done much in a while. So I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> that maybe they'll do something good this year. You know, I am a four for four guy. Uh, but I also write. I am also an avid uh, MMA fan. You know, I do write uh, MMA for Fancy Sports Warehouse. And cool. every once in a while, you know, I throw in a little little WWE in there. You know, just kind of like show them some love. You know, but I'm I'm <laughs> right. as a diehard WWE guy since uh, you know since the the Attitude Era with Stone Cold, Steve Austin, and The Rock, and so forth. Right, but most right. of the time, yeah. it's Eagles all day, every day. Love all right. Well, then let's since. talk Eagles. Um, okay. I just got off with Kayleen Williams, who is the Broncos uh, fan, uh, writer here for Fantasy Sports Warehouse. And um, outside of the Broncos, the Colts, Saints, Falcons, some of those teams, there isn't too much more of a high-powered offense and fantasy um, um, kind of uh, love. There's a lot of fantasy love for Chip Kelly and these Philadelphia Eagles. So let's talk Philadelphia Eagles. Let's start with the biggest change in the offseason. I think it's the biggest change in my mind. I'm, I'm, and it's not going to be Demarco Murray. Um, no. I am surprised that they went out and got Sam Bradford. 
Um, if somebody would have asked me to bet my mortgage on who they were going to uh, pick and get in the offseason as the new quarterback after getting rid of Nick Foles and, you know, not, uh, not well, that kept Mark Sanchez. But I would have never in my wildest dreams would have thought that they would have went after Sam Bradford, but they did. Um, he's got an arm, doesn't have real good legs. Um, but does that matter? And have you seen um, – obviously your dog's very excited about Sam Bradford. Um, but, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> but uh, do you think, from what you've seen and what you're hearing and what you're reading in camp, um, do you believe in Sam Bradford as the answer to the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback situation for 2015? Um, I do, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay. I know that when people get a misconception about Chip Kelly's offense because they see what he did at Oregon when the quarterbacks were able to run. You know, when he had the, right. of course, with the Marcus Mariotas, the Jer- uh, uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli's of the world were able to run. But that's just one part of the offense that obviously is not going to really work in the pros. Case in point, look what happened to the stunt and growth in Colin Kaepernick and RG3. Right. They rather, and, right. and, of course, former Eagle Michael Vick. They still would rather right. run first, throw second. Um, right. I like what Sam Bradford brings to the table because besides the big arm, but he also has the football IQ. He has the and he has the quick release, a quicker release than, than um, Nick Foles had last. Uh, even when Nick Foles, oh, okay. when he was you know the twenty-seven and two Nick Foles, because Nick Foles right. always had the issue of holding the ball just a little bit too long, waiting for the big play. Mm. While Bradford, right. I think with with him having the bum knee, he might be just be he might be quick to dink it and dunk it a little bit. But I think what's right. really going to help him a lot is if Josh Huff and Nelson Aguilar play on the outside and stretch the defenses enough, then then you're going to see um, something that we did not see last year with whenever Nick Foles, and definitely not with Mark Sanchez because he doesn't have the arm strength to sling it downfield like Sam right. Bradford can. Right. Right, and that's what I tell people there. When you know, and again, I, I, that was some great insight because you know I get these questions a lot of what do I think of Sam Bradford and what do I think of you know of him in that situation. And my answer to that is the Philadelphia Eagles made Mark Sanchez into a a, a decent fantasy quarterback. If that doesn't yeah. give you an answer, I don't know what does. Uh, yeah, so and, you gave the yeah, you know, coming in there, Mister Fumble, for, you know, and now yeah. you know he was halfway yeah. decent. Yeah. You know, you took a guy that was the laughing stock of the New York Jets and basically the NFL, and put him into a situation that I don't think anybody would would have thought that Mark Sanchez would have done well in that system. And he wasn't bad. He wasn't fantastic, but he wasn't no. bad. He did the job, and I think even in the games he played, I think he had a decent consistency rating um, just because of the yeah, offense that he fa- was in. In fact, so, Bob, believe it or not, believe it or not, Mark Sanchez is in, in the one season that he played for the Eagles and the games he played holds a higher completion percentage than Jonathan McNabb, Nick Foles, Ron Jaworski, <laughs> and Roman Gabriel, believe it or not. There you go. There you 64. go. 64.9%. Numbers to back up the stat. Numbers to back up the concept. So, All right, so you and I are on the same board there. Um, yes, so we're good. And, and I'm, and I am excited about him too, because I'll tell you in, in most, and, and I'm in a lot of uh, drafts, um, I'm going to probably be in about Same 17 here. or 18 leagues this year. 
Um, most of those leagues are in what they call expert leagues. It's me against other experts from other sites, um, CBS, ESPN, whatever the case may be. Um, and I have drafted um, Sam Bradford as my backup in at least half the drafts I've done so far. And I'm getting Same him here. in the <laughs> 13th round, 14th round. You know, it's like it's like it's him, Jameis Winston, and you know, Mariota and, you know, Joe Flacco and Nick Foles are all sitting there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how how can he be that? And if, and if he does suck, then I lost a 14th round pick. Who cares? So I'm all exactly. in on him, too. I, I, I think that, you know, he has the ability and he has the talent. And he's certainly got the people and the coaching. Um, I think he'll be successful. Now, if he stays upright. Yeah. Key. He stays upright. Um so if the line does their job, which we assume was okay. Correct. So we're we're both in agreement on on the Sam Bradford uh, system going forward. Now let's change to running back. So we go from Lashawn McCoy and Darren Sproles to Lashawn McCoy being basically thrown out into the gutter. Um, they bring in not only Demarco Murray, but they bring in Ryan Matthews in addition to that. Yep. And Darren Sproles is still there. So don't forget, here's my don't question, forget. and here is my fear: okay. is okay, that ahead, ahead. I'm not I'm not touching in any drafts Demarco Murray nor Ryan Matthews because I'm afraid that they're going to get things split up too evenly. Um, maybe a little more toward Murray. Let's say it's um, let's say it goes uh, sixty thirty ten, um, and I, I don't want to pick Demarco Murray in the second round let alone is my running back one on a fantasy team, um, if he's going to be inconsistent because that's the Chip Kelly way. Nobody's a star. Do you believe that? That That's how I feel because that's what I saw happen to LaShawn McCoy last year. His touches went yeah. way down. And Darren Sproles So help me help me believe in DeMarco Murray being worth – a, a top pick. Okay. Here's the reason why LaShawn McCoy, um, and I actually wrote about this in one of my articles on Fantasy Sports Warehouse. Okay. As cool. dynamic as a runner, LaShawn McCoy is, and trust me, I loved the guy when he was there. That that one, the snowball against the Lions was, was something of, of legends. But the thing right. about which is LaShawn McCoy, always had a bad habit of doing, is dancing around and saying just one cut, hit the hole. You look at all the running backs that Chip Kelly had from Oregon Whenever he was coached there, from the Michael James, Ken Jim Barner, all those guys had monster years. Why? Because they hit the hole and they hit it fast. Now, do yeah. I see uh, DeMarco Murray being the 500 carry bell cow like he was at the Dallas Cowboys? No. Right. That's why right. no. Chip no. Kelly keeping him in a bubble wrap. So right. if you're in a league that's strictly PPR, you want to draft um, um, uh, DeMarco Murray because if you look at the stats from last year, the guy was money in the bank at the goal line. Now, Right. Now, does it does it mean that, well, does Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles does it get any love? No, because, see, here's the thing. Chip Kelly's bringing back the throwback of the three-headed monster like Andy Reid had back in the day when he had Drew Staley, Correll Buckholder, and Brian Westbrook. But see, right. Being that there's not a true burner on the outside, I mean, yet Aguilar is fast, but he's not godly right. fast. You're going to stick right. Darren Sproles out there in the slot, in the wheel route, and then you might have all three in the backfield. So it's only have that possibility. But I foresee 
DeMarco Murray getting about 250 to 300 touches, about 1,400 yards rushing, and I'm banking on 10 touchdowns, at least 10, and with 40 catches. How many catches? Do you think he's going to get that many catches? Yep. Really? Okay. I believe it. Okay. I believe it because right. well, fat because of the pace. The pace alone is going to it's going to wear defenses out. Chip Kelly's going to put the okay. foot to the gas and put the foot on the throat of defenses by pound throwing a left a left hook to the body with Demarco Murray, a right uppercut with Ryan Matthews, and then and then a little jabs and and, and, a, and a quick finish him with Darren Sproles. It's money in the bank. It, it, you can pick all three of them. No, and, and, and it's kind of risky. Concept, but, but, but right, but I, you, I either one of the, the three, you're, you're gonna be fine. Works. What scares me is is Demarco Murray going to touch the ball enough to be worthy of a first round pick? Um, that's the so. only thing I mean, that scares me. I don't you foresee so. him I mean, being the bell cow running back like an Adrian Peterson. Um, right. Simply right. for the no, fact, I'm not saying no. first. Right. Hmm. Um, I, I, trying to, I, I was trying I to find one of my that, draft man. things that I just had um, the printout because I wanted to see. Nah, maybe I don't have it. Because um, I did a draft just this past week, and Murray went almost third round. Like I almost picked him as my number two back. Yeah, I think it was. I took eight because I had first pick. I had Ad- I took Adrian Peterson, and Murray was still mm-hmm. there at the end of the second round. And I was like, oh, should I grab him? And I didn't. And I just, I ended up drafting two um, top receivers. I think I got like T.Y. Hilton and Brandon Cooks, which is okay. I can't go over. Yeah, that's good. Man, maybe I should have grabbed Murray, you know. So um, it's interesting because I have a big draft in New Jersey this weekend. I'm I'm driving over from Ohio to New Jersey. Um, They're doing a a Fantasy League of Experts. Um, It's a big national thing. It's going to be on Sirius Radio, Fantasy Sports TV Network. Um, and I'm going to be representing Fantasy Sports Warehouse. And so this is good information. If if I have that chance, you know, now you got me believing a little bit that maybe Murray's going to be. So I, if I take him, it's because of you. I, I, so if he fails, I'm coming after Tell you. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you if you win now, you know I hey, just cut me a little. I win. Little, uh, if you little win, little you, yeah, you get a portion. Yeah, you get a portion. Yeah, I'll, I'll share it along. <laughs> um, so now Ryan Matthews. Um, um, I don't remember exactly what his ADP is, but I just, he's so in between, um, you know, he's, he's practically made of glass, um, True. you know, but I know that if, if they use him right, he certainly can be valuable. I noticed, I think in one of the preseason games, didn't he run the ball in from the goal line? And yeah. should we Maybe. be concerned that they won't use Murray there? They'll bring in Matthews at the goal line. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, they not only did did uh, Murray score. I mean, he did a two yard tiptoe. I mean, the hole is so big. You and I can 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 bear crawl away through there. That's how gotcha. that's how how big the hole was. Now, did Mur did the the Matthew score as well? Yes, he did. But the thing about this though is that it's it's pretty much the where's Waldo effect. Who are you going to guard? Right now, granted, right. I still think that that Matthews may not get as many touches as Murray. But the thing about it oh, is with no, the pace that, that Chip right. Kelly would like like to like to do, because last year they averaged about seventy seven snaps a game, which was the highest in the NFL. So I right. foresee Matthews being in the back backfield because they they run that eleven formation pretty much all the time. They rarely have uh, a two a two back set. It's always a single back formation. 
So I right. foresee Matthews getting about maybe 10 to 15 touches a game as far as coming out of the backfield. Um, right. I don't really see him catching the football that much, but um, right, I right. do foresee That's him getting at least that, at least about 10 to 15 to give Murray a breather. And as far right. as for uh, uh, Sproles, he'll get around that much only because um, Kelly still wants to use him also in special teams as well. So, All right. So, um, okay. Uh, like that's I fair. said, depending on which league that you're in, depending on which league that right. you're in, like if you're in a league that specializes in PPR, then I wouldn't draft Matthews to in the late rounds and just use him as a right. handcuff. Right. But if it's in a league that rewards uh, touchdowns or special teams, I wouldn't even think about Matthews at all. My eyes would be on Sproles. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So that leads into Sproles. Um, last year, Sproles, in a PPR league, while his consistency wasn't where I would like it to be, um, it was only at about uh, 40-some percent. It was 40 percent. But in total points, he ranked 26th. I mean, that's just outside of a running back two scenario. That mm-hmm. That surprised me that he had that many points. But the question is... Now that there's, you know, and if they just got DeMarco Murray, like they had just listening to the and you had, you know, Darren Sproles, um, then I'd say, okay, Sproles may still be that valuable and still may be in the top 30 in points. But now they have three guys to spread it out. Do you think Sproles close enough to that number 26 or top 30 points um, in a PPR league still? Because of that, he's Darren Sproles, and obviously Chip loves him because he's the only guy they kept. Uh. <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 here, here's why: because see, the one thing that Darren Sproles does better than any running back since since the day since Brian Westbrook uh, was there is catch the football either out of the backfield, uh, kick return or punt return. The guy is dynamite with the ball in his hands, and the thing about right. it is, is that. He can give you the wiggle, but he also do a one cut and take off. So I mm-hmm. foresee him being in the slot from time to time in a spread formation. Um, and in fact, there was one formation that they did that they usually you would see either Josh Huff, which used to be done by Jeremy Mackin last year when they had him in the Z, Z formation and running in motion. But there was a, there was a couple of times they had um, um, Sproles doing the same thing. And if he's going to be doing that, that puts even more pressure on the defense because what's going to happen, they're going to wonder whether it's going to be a straight shotgun snap or it's going to be a little screen pass or it's going to be a wheel route or is he going to run his best route, which is the arrow route, which he killed the Colts last year with. Between the screen game and the arrow route that he runs, he killed the Colts on Monday Night Football, which I've drafted him and I made a killing off him last year. So so, uh, (laughs) I'm a believer in Sproles. I'm a believer in yeah, Sproles. Say, if you Darren, sleep on I, and him, I am too. he's going to make you pay. Right. I have Sproles, like you said, in the 17 leagues. I've, I still have, I think, five to draft. Um, mm-hmm. I saw I've done 12, and I think I have Sproles at least on 10 of those teams, maybe all of them, because he's still sitting there at the end of the you know, 13th, 14th round. I'm getting him as my running back four or five, um, and it's a PPR league, so why would I not, you know? So I'm Absolutely. drafting him and Reggie Bush and those kind of guys because, you know, again, if they catch four or five balls out of the backfield and they get 50 yards, they earn a quality game for a running back. I mean, it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like a lot, but 10 points is a quality game, PR format. Yeah. 
And, um, Absolutely. you know, that's what that's all you want out of those guys. And if you can put them at your flex and get 10 points out of them, that's golden. So um, good news about Darren Sproles. All right, so let's talk wide receivers. Um, Jeremy Macklin um, had a great season last year, uh, 75% consistent. Uh, I'm sure Eagles fans hated to see him go. Um, now he's in Kansas City where he'll be worthless um, because he has, he has <laughs> Alex Smith. Um, but... Now we have Jordan Matthews. Um, he's not moving into Macklin's spot, and that's what a lot of people think. No. He's still going to play no. out of the slot, right? That's correct. And so can, and, Jordan, and that's Matthews the best place for up, can Jordan Matthews put up Jeremy Macklin's numbers from last year? I'm thinking no. I'm thinking that that he, you know, he'll he'll put up his numbers. I mean, if we look at the numbers from last year, um, Matthews. Turn the page. Matthews uh, ranked twenty fifth in total points, which doesn't suck as a rookie. Um, mm-hmm. But his consistency was seven out of sixteen. Macklin was ninth in total points and was eleventh in consistency at seventy five percent. Can Matthews get close to that, or will based on the spot he's in in the slot, and now Aguilar's on the outside, basically taking Macklin's spot? Um, what do you think from a fantasy standpoint Matthews is going to do because I've seen him I mean he's ranked in the top 15 in some rankings and I'm just not buying it I'm just not I'm not biting on the bait and um, so I want to get an Eagles perspective of is he worth it because I mean in that same genre of players you're also looking at Emmanuel Sanders Brandon Cooks Alshon Jeffries uh, Keenan Allen I I'm picking one of those guys before I'm picking Jordan Matthews. What your what do you think and what are you what is your perspective on on Jordan Matthews for this year? I want to pick uh Brandon Cooks ahead of Jordan Matthews, and I'll tell you why. Cuz Brandon Cooks as dynamic of a of a wide receiver he is, he's a one-trick pony. He's 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 a another Deshaun Jackson clone. Either you're going to get a long bomb touchdown or you're going to get nothing at all. The one thing that Jordan Matthews brings to the table, he's like the second coming in my opinion of Larry Fitzgerald. He's not going to beat you in a okay. foot race. He's going to beat you just physically because he's a physical specimen at 6'3", 220 pounds. The guy catches anything that's thrown at him. He's not afraid to go across the middle. And don't forget, this he, he's Jerry Rice's cousin. So the, so the bloodlines are thick. You the bloodlines are there. So, gotcha. So, I did not know being that. That's that, interesting stat. Being that, that, that he came out of Vanderbilt as an SEC right. all-time leading receiver, and knowing that Vanderbilt was not that great of a team. I mean, and they double-team, right. triple-teamed this guy, and he still dominated catch over 100 balls while playing at Vanderbilt. I foresee him – I don't see him getting Macklin-like numbers, you know, with the 85 catches and 1,300 yards and so forth, but I do see an, an increase in touchdowns. Why? Because, come on, a 6'3", 220, all you got to right. do is lob yeah. it up to him, and he's, he's, he's going to get up there. and get yeah, it. Exactly. You know, and he, and okay. he's playing in the inside in the slot. He's gonna go up against nickel guys. Good luck trying to guard him. You know, you know that's it's, it's virtually impossible because you put him up against the smaller nickel, he's gonna bulldoze him over. You put him up against a linebacker, he's gonna run right by him. So, right, so right. he's gonna flourish. But I see him maybe getting about seventy-five catches, about eleven hundred yards. But I think he'll get at least thirteen touchdowns. At least thirteen. Wow. Okay. All right, all right. Good information. I uh, might be moving him up a few slots on my draft now. 
You're talking me into all kinds of things here. All right, so now I think <laughs> the key to Jordan Matthews is going to be how well Nelson Aguilar uh, performs as a rookie on that outside spot to at least keep defenses honest not to double-team Jordan Matthews. Um, I've heard um, I, I've heard both sides on this kid. I've heard that he's great, he's amazing, he's all that in a bag of chips, and I've heard from my brother-in-law, who's a huge USC fan and follows them like it's his job, said, I think he'll just be an average receiver in the NFL. Now, no, which was amazing to me. He not. usually brags about no, he usually brags about his not. USC people all the time. So where are you? Where is your stance? And is is he the real deal? I like Nelson Aguilar. Um, to me, he's a faster version of Marvin Harrison. Really good, okay. quick route runner. Knows how to blade his body to get open. He is explosive. That's once he gets after the catch. I mean, he he got good. Um, straight line speed, as you saw when he ran for that one uh, catch for a touchdown, which Mark Sanchez almost threw it over his head, I might add. Um, right. But the thing about it is, though, is that what he has is good feet. He knows how to get open. So I don't see him getting monster numbers in his rookie year. I see him eventually being the, the Robin to Matthew's Batman. I see him being okay. a good wingman. Now, Okay. On the flip side of that, I think the one receiver that you need to look after is not Nelson Aguilar, but is Josh Huff. That's the guy you need to look after. To me, he is nothing more than just a slightly smaller version and faster version of Anquan Bolden. This guy is a physical specimen. He's built like a running hmm. back, but he, but he's a wide receiver. Now, if you saw the you saw the potential when he played against the, that one last game against the Cowboys, which he pretty much barreled right through the secondary and took a bear-like pass, which they were in the deep in their own end zone when then Mark Sanchez was pretty much running for his life, dumped it on a little shallow crossing route to Huff, and he he, he rumbled along for 45 yards, and, to, and he took about wow. two um, cr- uh, cornerbacks with him. Josh Huff, if he does he, if he does anything. Because the, the potential is there. The guy scored 12 touchdowns in his last season at, at uh, Oregon. And he had, well, like, I think, like uh, 80 catches and about 1,200 yards. So the potential is there. And Chip Kelly has practically raised this kid since he drafted him when he came out, out of Houston, Texas. So he knows wow. him very well. So I foresee Josh Huff, not Nelson Aguilar, being the guy that's going to draw the attention. Because, yes, they're going to try to double-team Jordan Matthews. And, and which right. that's going to leave Aguilar and Huff open. Now, you might see an occasional Miles Austin sighting, which, you know, I don't really care less about yeah, that. Yeah, I or saw maybe, that in preseason. Or maybe <laughs> Riley Cooper, which, you know, to me, Riley Cooper is is a tight end playing wide receiver. You know, he'd be great right. for tight end because he's, he's about as big as one. But Sanchez seemed I to think, like him last year. Yeah, like yeah, Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Seemed to throw it well, in a little more. He, he was a good... Cooper's a good uh, bailout guy. I mean, he's not going to beat nobody. Right. I mean, he's just he's not that not that slow. I mean, he ran like a four or five in, in his combine, which is right. good for yeah. a guy six four two thirty. But he right. he can't really beat nobody to foot race. He's a good red zone wide receiver, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, right, right. But I think Josh Huff is the sleeper guy you need to look at for the Eagles for All wide right. receiver. Not, not Nelson Aguilar. Um, Aguilar going to get a touchdown because Chip Kelly loves him. But Josh Huff, look after him. I'm telling you. Don't All right. on I'm, I'm I'm putting a star right on my list right now. Um, 
great information, Wayne. I really appreciate that. Um, hopefully, all the listeners will get some great uh, sleeper values here. Last guy, last position, I guess we uh, we want to hit. Um, well, there's actually two positions, but we'll let, let's talk about tight end, Zach Ertz. Um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, is, is he injured or is there something? <laughs> what is up with form, Zach Ertz? Um, he had he has a slight tear in his core muscle, so he okay. which he had he had a, um, a survey done um, a sports hernia doctor, which was the same one who did oh, Jason Kelsey last team. year. So right. so he should be ready by the first season. So Zach Kurt has always been the guy who had the potential, but great route runner, great hands, but he can't block with a darn. So from what <laughs> I read, uh, that that um he actually um, went to Tony Gonzalez's house and pretty much wow. picked the man's brain from beginning to end to really understand the whole aspect of being a complete tight end. Now, if he can at least fulfill any type of blocking duties, then right. he can be as good as Gronkowski, you know, because he, he can the, the right. guy's a mismatch problem. You know, as big as he is, right. and he's deceptively fast, and, he, you know, he can catch anything thrown at him, but he can't block, which frustrates right. the heck out of me because <clears throat> when you wonder why uh, – yeah, uh, yeah, that too. When you wonder why, when, when a good run could have been a great one, and when you see on the highlights, oh, Zach Ertz misses blocking assignment. You know, <laughs> and, and, and or he gets bowled over, and the guy's six, 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 two sixty. I'm like, how can you get bowled over? You know, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, so with him being out into the first game one, um, I uh, Trey Burton, which he was like the Swiss Army knife for when he came out of Florida, and he he was um, pretty much a, a good solid special teams guy for the Eagles last year. He made that as a free agent. Um, he's a good athlete. I mean, the guy played quarterback, he played running back, he played wide receiver, and he played tight end in Florida. And when he played tight end uh, for uh, last year, and he, like I said, he was great on special teams. And he actually pinched him as a, as a running back on a few downs when they were out of running backs because you know, Shady was hurt, and I think uh, they need to get spoiled a breather. So Trey Burton will will be you know if you, if you just need a quick pinch hit tight end for one week, I would take a flyer on Trey Burton because again good athlete now, great hands. Selleck's still there, but you know what he's pretty much at the end of his, he's end like of his career. He's like seventy years old right now, right? Um, he has a great restaurant <laughs> up in Philadelphia that I'm oh, at, nice. but you know the All but right, uh, as far as from Jersey. Oh oh great great food, uh, but but uh, he's. He's a good blocker. He's, he's and you know he's yeah. one. Of, he's been around for them for a while, but he's not the right. same player. You know, he, yeah. but, but no, I like Trey Burton. He's been around a long time. All right, so last guy. You know, I usually don't talk kickers, but the Eagles' Cody Parkey last year I think led all kickers in fantasy points with like 160 some or something ridiculous like that. That's correct. Any reason he can't keep doing it? Uh, well, uh, until I saw the the last game against Baltimore, I ain't gonna lie, I was a little nervous because I think maybe okay. he was, I think he was drinking his own Kool Aid for at first, but I think uh, <laughs> at the game uh, at Baltimore, he was pretty much automatic. I just think that you know sometimes you know when you get complacent, you get careless, and I think probably Chip Kelly probably gave him a heads up that hey, look, you know, do I need to bring Alex Henry back? Because I will, you know, and I think yeah, that kind right. of a you know, gave him a heads up because I mean the kid got got the bionic leg. The kid can kick it. Yeah. So you know, even with the new right. stipulation that they got now, you no, know, I think he'll he'll be fine. 
Yeah, right. Well, and I think any kicker probably got a wake-up call when they saw Connor Barth get cut by the Broncos, and you know that that they probably move. woke some people up. Like, oh, any 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 kicker is uh, just a kicker, and they can be cut tomorrow if you you know you start getting a little erratic. So maybe that was a wake-up call. In fact, the guy who was Kalen, who was just on, uh, who was the Broncos guy, um, he said it was a stupid move too. He's like Connor Barth is it much is. more consistent. He may not have as yep. big as leg as McManus, but he goes he'll hit. The clutch field goals when you need them, and he goes, I'm the, I don't know if I feel that with McManus. So, anyway, Broncos made their choice, and then uh, Barth was signed by the Buccaneers the next day. So, um, obviously, he wasn't that bad. Uh, but, uh, no, fantastic. So, well, super stuff. Anything else that uh, Eagles fans, uh, fantasy fans need to know? Is there any other guys out there? I mean, I think we covered everybody. Um, well, let's you know. Let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um, this is something I uh, I actually brought I up. I was to about the ready to guy. talk about the defense. I got to get the defense. Love. Say, the last two games, they were very impressive. I know it's preseason, so you can't right. drink the Kool Aid too much. But what I do like about this defense is that every, they play fast to the ball. Um, it's right. not a physically pound your face in the ground defense. It's a right. speed defense. Um, the, right. It's, it's kind of like what you see with with Seattle with the single high uh, defense with the 3-4, a lot of physical press defense from thanks to guys uh, who were, you know, who did play for Seattle and Walter Thurman the third and uh, Byron Maxwell. Um, but I think what made a big difference in that defense is when they got from the Denver Broncos, their defensive back, backs coach, and Corey Undlin. Because when Corey Undlin came to the Eagles, he, taught, he literally taught these guys how this, you know, not just hand placement, but even being able to blade your body and shade the receiver, even if even if the receiver gets past you. Uh, if right. you watch the game game when he when in the game against uh, the Ravens, when Maxwell matched up or Norman Carroll matched up against the receiver, there were a couple of plays that yeah okay, the receiver might have got by them, but by the time the receiver got by them, there was already safety help from up top. So right. Corey Unglin right. to me it made a big difference in. The secondary, because last year's secondary was atrocious, and I was so glad they got rid of Corey Williams and Bradley Fletcher. And believe me, I was ready to tell them to get this step in after the first game because they were just terrible. And, well, and, and the Corey, interesting thing, and, and uh, I'm sorry, Seahawks fans, you made a big mistake in getting Corey Williams. I'm telling you right now, you mark my words, you're gonna be you're gonna be feeling our pain because he's garbage, <laughs> and you can say I said that. I'm sure every everybody who isn't a Seahawks fan was like, good, because their defense has always been too good. Um, no, interesting <laughs> enough, in, in leagues last year, um, and, and this is why I love the Eagles defense, is um, and, I, and actually I'm drafting them in most of my leagues that don't have the points against scenario. It's just basically turnovers, return, touchdowns, uh, sacks, interceptions, et cetera. Uh, the Eagles were one of the highest scoring uh, team defenses last year in that scoring method. And yet, I'm picking them after Buffalo, St. Louis, Seattle, and those kind of teams. Uh, Buffalo. I, I don't know about Buffalo. Man. I mean, I mean, you know, that's that's just all Rex Ryan height. You know, to be honest with you, yeah. I mean, and he right. he's like the Donald Trump of football. So, so I don't really pay much attention <laughs> to him. Um, but but as far as for I mean, teams like Seattle. Um, right. Like you know, unfortunately, you know, teams like you know New England, 
You know, they have right. they always seem to have those ball hawking type of defense. And I think that's what the Eagles did when right. not only did they get when they brought first brought Billy Davis on board, because being that Billy Davis learned under um um gosh, what's it uh, uh, Bill Cower, you know, that that Pittsburgh style three four right. defense. And then you bring in Corey Unlin with his uh knowledge that he learned from as far as defensive backs coach. And, you know, bringing that all together, and they kind of take a page from Pittsburgh, take a page from Seattle, and they bring it all together. And, like I said, these guys are flying to the ball. I mean, I don't think Brandon Graham's going to get 32 sacks like he's predicted, but I think Brandon Graham is going to be a good tag team partner for Connor Barlin. I mean, it's going to be like a 14-12 sack out of just those two outsiders alone. And then don't forget, when being that they got Kiko Alonso and he just re-signed Michael Kendricks, those guys are monsters, okay? You got Kiko Alonso, which if he's healthy, he's a physical beast. And he was right behind Luke Keekley in, in their rookie season as far as the total tackles. He was just right behind wow. Luke Keekley. So don't sleep on Kiko Alonso. Then you got Michael Kendricks. When he's healthy, he might be a little bit on the small side. But when you're a linebacker that's six feet tall, 250 pounds, and runs a 4-4 and a 40, and can cover at wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs out on the inside, and he wants, he, and they're going to literally turn him loose to blitz from the inside. I'm telling you, the defense is going to be nasty. They're going to hit him hard and hit him fast. And as far as for another guy that I love seeing getting some credit now is the guys that muddle up the middle and Benny Logan and uh, Fletcher Cox and Cedric Thornton because those guys is what opens up the lanes for the linebackers to, you know, to beat up on the quarterbacks. But Benny Logan, right. you watch him. He might get about – seven or eight sacks by himself because he's starting to develop into that nose tackle that you see like that Vince Warhawks and the Warren Saps of, of yesteryear, being able just to right. blow up the middle, playing up with, with the A-gap scheme that they do on the line. Cool. No, that's great. And like I said, I've been drafting a lot of the Eagles. Uh, Eagles defense is my team defense, um, and especially in those um, – the points given up and or um, and the non points given up thing because they just always seem like you said they're they're ball hawks and they they get to the ball and they they make plays and they block punts and they block kicks and you know they're just uh, all over the place and uh, that's why they get a lot of those uh, scores because of that so uh, you know they have great punt returners and kick returners and that's uh, that's always been a good thing for them so like I said I've been drafting uh, a lot of those guys uh, for that as well but. Uh, uh, Wayne, uh, thank you so much for talking. This has been uh, very enlightening for me, and uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm making all kinds of notes on my uh, my draft list here uh, to move some Philadelphia Eagle players up. Uh, so, folks, if you didn't get a chance to catch this uh, live, hopefully we usually get a lot of downloads. So, I'm sure people will be listening to this hopefully for their drafts for the weekend. So, um, do you have any drafts going on, uh, you know, in you, your area, your leagues, um, you know, what, uh, what I kind just, of fantasy? I just had one. You play? I, just, I just had a draft um, uh, uh, from my, where I work at. And to be honest, I just did a, I just did like a, um, a, a, a wish list and just, okay. no, just put it, put it together what I did. And everybody was too busy, you know, smelling, you know, smelling the, 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 uh, the hype off the big-name players, while me, I like right. the diamonds in the rough type of players. There That's, you know, the Josh Huffs of the world. But the one guy that right. I grabbed up, I'm, I'm kind of going to put his name out there for everyone to take a look at. And 
And okay. he plays for the Carolina Panthers. He's a, he's a number two back right now, but he'll be number one before the season's over. And that's Cameron Artis Payne out of Carolina. He was an SEC leading rusher last year out of Auburn. Keep an eye on that kid. Yeah. He's going to be a, he's going to be a problem. Trust me. Because Stewart. Yeah, I've, I've heard a team. lot of good things about him too, and everybody knows that Jonathan Stewart's made out of the same material as Ryan Matthews. So, um, exactly. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that kid uh, comes in and. Uh, make some noise in the second half of the season. So, But that's great insight as well. Like you said, kid was a, was a beast in college. Uh, anybody else out there that, uh, you know, you've seen from other camps, other teams, other than the Eagles, that uh, really jumped out at you that uh, people may not be thinking about? Um, I like, the, I like uh, the, the tight end out of Cincinnati, that Tyler uh, Effort. I Effort, right. Um, because Jermaine yeah. Grisham, I wasn't really that big on him. And even though right. uh, the game, uh, recent game they had against the Buccaneers with Andy Dalton played like garbage, uh, I like Tyler Effort because to me, he can be, he has that potential to be like Grunk if if he just stays healthy. Right. That's been his problem. I mean, because he can block, he can catch, he knows how to get open, and and he's been, for what I heard, he's been a problem in in the Bengals camp. It seems to be hard hard to guard. So I think that he can yeah, do some damage. Kind of the same things. Yeah. Um, I've kind of also heard the same things coming out of Detroit with that Eric Ebron, who everybody was high on last year um, and then really didn't kind of hold up his side of the bargain. Um, but I've heard a lot of good things. Um, yeah, that, so I've heard a lot of good things. Of, of, of a maturity issue with him. I mean, if, if he you know, stopped reading his own paper clippings, he, he'll be fun <laughs> because, come on, he's working with Calvin Johnson for crying out loud. I mean, yeah, anyone I working say, with Megatron, you're going to make yourself look good. I mean, yeah, Bell say, went from being a third stringer on the Eagles and, to being a great running back for the for the Lions. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I was I was kind of surprised that he didn't do as well last year, but um, but they never really were the, the Lions never really were much into throwing to the tight ends um, unless they really had to. It would seem like um, who was the guy that was there before him? Um, I, I just went brain dead. Um, he was the tight end. Pettigrew. Thank you. Right. Uh, Pettigrew, like he'd have one game where he catch two touchdowns, and you think, okay, they're finally finding his, you know, his niche, and then he wouldn't do anything for like four weeks, um, you know, and then he would have another two touchdown game. So he was, he was like a ultimate of inconsistency, um, and it just drove me and a lot of people crazy, and you know, I think <laughs> then he kind of just fell off the board from, from there. But, uh, um, but no, those are uh, good picks as well. Um, any other people out there that uh, you know in your drafts that you saw that fell a little bit later than you you thought, or were picked a little bit higher than you thought? Um, I know one guy actually, right now is. Go ahead. Like, actually, one receiver that I saw that was out there, and to be honest, I picked him up out of out of the waiver wire just because, for what I've seen in this past game on Monday night with uh, was a uh, Marvin Jones. Because um, oh me, yeah, yeah, I love um, Marvin Jones. Um, Green, Green did not show up to me. He looked, he didn't feel like playing at all. He looked he looked right. slow out of his breaks, out of his cuts. He looked like he looked he looked like he had he had a case of uh, alligator arms. He didn't look like he wanted to get a hit. So hmm. Martin, well, people seem to forget probably Martin when Jones Kelvin was, Benjamin and Jordy Nelson and those guys are going down. Everybody's kind of worried about getting hit. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know, this, I mean, the thing about this is that you know. NFL stands for not for long. You know, you could be on top right. for for a while, but but if you start playing scared, you're gonna be you're gonna be out of the league soon enough. You know, and, yeah, exactly. and with Marvin Jones, 
Marvin Jones, people can forget, he scored 12 touchdowns not that long ago in one season for the Bengals. Yeah. So the yeah. guy can ball. No, wasn't that? Yeah, you know? a couple years ago, he was right up there as one of the top receivers in the league, and, you know, he was on the other side of A.J. Green, and, and uh, you know, then he got hurt and missed most of last year and all of last year almost. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I have him – I actually have him ranked 40th on my list. I mean, he is right there with – like the Charles Johnsons and Kendall Wrights and Marcus Wheatons, and um, who, of course, I just moved up today because of the uh, Marktavius Bryant information. Yeah, um, I was already to mention that too. Um, <laughs> but a guy that I wanted to know from your draft, where did Devontae Adams go? Um, I would say he went from being a potential um, mid what to round late round draft? pick. Um, in the last league I was in, uh, he was picked up in the 13th round. But uh, I, I, I actually had it in my draft. sights. Because I was I just in a draft, sights. and he was picked in the fifth round. Well, that's no, 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 no. Yeah, it's that's just crazy. I, I just sat there no. and went, you got to be kidding me. I mean, uh, and this was an expert's league. This was not like a local people kind of thing. Um, this was, quote, expert leagues, which sometimes I even, you know, I kind of go, you're an expert, really? Um, not that I feel like I am all the time either. But I'm sure there's people who probably go, you picked him, why? Um, at least I have I have numbers to back my, my stuff. I can say, well, that guy was consistent. Here's my numbers. At least I have some valid uh, I, reasoning. But um, I guess yeah, then, uh, then, uh, time, the I guess round. Ty Montgomery uh, was was, was a uh, what? Ty Montgomery was a seventh round pick then. Come in, come on. I mean, that's no, that's you're reading too much into the press clippings or. Or the hype machine yeah. from the ESPNs of the world. No, he was a late right. round to almost a, not a total bottom round type of guy until Jordan right. Nelson got hurt. And the thing about right. it is, is that to me, um, the, the um, Cobb's going to get his touches now. You know, he's going to definitely get more touches. But I think the guy that I just mentioned, I think Ty Montgomery's might have a better shot of doing some damage than Devontae Adams right. will because Devontae Adams to me. Was inconsistent, you know. I mean, I mean, one game he'll show up and do some damage. Next game, he got a case of the stone hands, you know. And which I think McCarthy pulled him out of the game uh, uh, on a couple of series just because of that. Oh. I mean, yeah, so, I've heard some good things about Ty Montgomery as being if you wanted to wait until you know, kind of pick him in the area Adams was being picked at before in the 13th, 14th round, and you know, take a chance on him. He might be actually a better producer than Adams, but. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I did the draft and and it was the fifth round and Devonte Adams was picked and I, I mean the little chat room in the corner would just blew up. I mean everybody's like, whoa, what? <laughs> you know, so there was a lot of uh, people were like, what are you doing? You know, um, but you know that a lot of those experts like to do that kind of stuff. Um, they like to pick those wild picks and then if it hits, they can brag all over the you know the internet about. Yeah, I had faith in Devontae Adams. You you should always listen to me. But they also never talk about the other 13 people that they, they miss badly on. And exactly. You never hear exactly. about them. That's I call it I call it the Matthew Berry syndrome. Um, <laughs> you know, he'll throw funny, out yeah. stuff. Yeah. And you ho- he throws like six or eight guys out there. And if one of them hits, you'll hear about it all season, about how he picked that guy. But you won't hear about the other seven that – fell off the face of the earth, but, um, exactly. but anyway, exactly. So, um, 
Wayne, thanks you so much for, for being on. I really appreciate your time. Um, looking forward to talking more Philadelphia Eagles uh, this fall because um, uh, Tim Galligan and I are going to be doing a show on uh, Tuesday night um, as well. And, uh, you know, between okay. my, then my show here on Thursdays. And uh, um, because, as you know, the Tim and, and Matt, were hope, hopefully we're going to make it on here to kind of help me make the big announcement that, I am now moving to Fantasy Sports Warehouse and got my first article up today nice. and bringing my fantasy football consistency stuff to Fantasy uh, Sports Warehouse. And uh, I'm really excited about working with guys like you because those are the guys that are in the know. You're the guys that yeah, I can go to and bring on and say, okay, what's happening here? Uh, I can't follow everything. I can't follow 32 teams. I can barely follow my own life. Um, but <laughs> so I need, you know, I always feel like guys like you are, are crucial to fantasy people getting that inside scoop and knowing why Sam Bradford should be a good pick, why DeMarco Murray is really worth that second round pick. And, and, you know, those kind of guys and those guys like the Josh Huff is Huff is, yeah, I said that Josh Huff, uh, and those kind of people too. So great to have you on, really enjoyed the information, really enjoyed the chat and, uh, you know, good luck with your season, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Absolutely. It's been oh, a I know. Bob, uh, next week. Thank Make you, sure you tell everybody your Twitter and your email. Um, we already know what you write for, but your email address and your Twitter if somebody wants to reach out to you with questions about the Eagles. Okay. Uh, well, my Twitter my Twitter name is at, at the the uh, the Pinoy Boy D A P I N O Y B O Y. As far as the Twitter wise, and as far as email wise. It's EagleFanWayne at gmail.com. Fantastic. Wayne, thank you so much for being on, and uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. All right. Wayne Creer from Fantasy Sports Warehouse uh, coming on here talking Philadelphia Eagles um, and talked me into moving a few of these guys up the rankings. Um, like you said, I, I was kind of always down on the whole system at Philadelphia, kind of just not being very consistent with the players each week. Um, but, you know, Wayne came in here and said, DeMarco Murray's the man. LaShawn McCoy dances too much. He's going to hit the holes. He's going to be valuable. And he's worth getting him in the second round. And uh, he certainly proved it in Dallas uh, with a lot of touches. But, you know, that made him a number one guy. Um, you know, so getting him as my wide re- or my running back two, uh, I'd be pretty happy with that, or getting him as my running back one if I've got an Antonio Brown or somebody like that. So uh, he may have talked me into that. You know, he talked a little bit about uh, the the passing offense. He loves Sam Bradford. Um, he believes that he's going to have very good numbers, um, and I think will be very consistent. Again, it's all about how many plays they run. And so, you know, if you're throwing that many passes, you're running that many plays, you're probably going to accumulate some decent points. Um, he's going to throw the touchdowns. They're going to score a lot of points. That's the way their offense is made. Um, he believes in Jordan Matthews. I, I wasn't a big believer. Going to move him up a few spots, uh, and he told me why. And I, I believe that uh, it was a great call on his behalf. Aguilar, he's not as high on, but he thinks he's got talent. But he loves this Josh Huff guy. So if you're looking for that late, late sleeper, Josh Huff seems to be the guy. So uh, uh, we appreciate uh, that information. So. Uh, once again, big announcement to, uh, we were going to make, and, and I apologize that uh, it's hoping to have Matt Kirschbaum, who is president and owner of Fancy Sports Warehouse, and Tim Galligan, who's COO. Uh, both of them just couldn't make it tonight. I got some emails from them. I apologize, but as I wanted to mention, I'm going to be bringing my stuff to the Fancy Sports Warehouse 
and uh, I won't. Uh, we'll be moving away from so-called fantasy experts. FF consistency is going to exist exist for a while, um, but uh, slowly over time, probably move that into there as well. Um, but uh, so I have a new email, Bob at fantasysportswarehouse.com. Bob at ffconsistency.com still works. You can use that if you have it. No big deal. I'll keep that forever. Um, but just want to let you know that it's Bob at Fantasy Sports Warehouse. Uh, my Twitter still is Bob uh, at Bob underscore lungs. So hopefully uh, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, follow me there as well. Um, and so if you have any questions, don't hesitate. Again, the book is on fantasysportswarehouse.com. If you go to the NFL tab on the homepage, you'll see the FF Consistency Tools. The guide's there. The Consistency Report is there. You can put in your own scoring method, figure out uh, who the most consistent players in your league is, uh, are, and uh, you know help you for your draft as you head in this weekend. Once again, if you get the book, I'll give you the updated tier draft list so that you can take a one-pager uh, of all of the rankings based on consistency, and you can take that to your draft, help you draft more consistent players. So that's there as well. So um, I think... All my folks that were going to come on tonight are, uh, I think, done. Um, I thought we had one more that was going to come on, but uh, maybe we'll get him on next week. So, again, thanks for listening tonight. This is Bob Lung from the FF Consistency Show. And everybody have a great weekend. If you have a chance, I also want to let everybody know, if you have either Sirius Radio with the Fantasy Sports Channel um, or you have Fantasy Sports Network Television or you have an Xbox, you can get the Fantasy Sports Television Network on your Xbox now. But anyway, either one of those, you can follow the live draft, expert draft, from uh, New Jersey. It is called the Fantasy League of Experts. It is going to be live Saturday at 3 o'clock. I will be there representing Fantasy Sports Warehouse. So you can watch me draft, uh, watch me uh, pick my consistent players, and follow along with that. So, uh, you know, once again, I, I thank you for that. If you want to follow me, you can uh, follow that and watch that either on TV or listen to it on the radio. Um, I don't know if they're going to tape it for replay, but if they do, I'll let you know where the links are. So once again, thanks for listening tonight. And uh, if you're having a draft this weekend, happy drafting. And uh, if you need some, any uh, quick updates, certainly hit me up, and I'll be able to help you out. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you again soon. Good night.